As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back, Prospects to Pros on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Dane Brugler, as always, with Lance Zerline. Uh, this show is uh, coming to you live from Mobile, Alabama. It's Thursday morning, third and final day of Senior Bowl practices, uh, about to get going. So I uh, wanted to hop on here, talk about you know, what's the buzz coming out of Senior Bowl practices, who has stood out the most, who's maybe making a little bit of money. As expected, it's been a very strange year. Uh, access is limited, no more Lad Peebles Stadium, which uh, is very strange. We're at the new Hancock-Whitney Stadium on the South Alabama campus, which is beautiful. So it's been nice. I'm, I'm a little sunburned from uh, sitting in the stands for uh, seven hours each day, but watching live football is uh, you know, never a bad thing. You won't hear me uh, complaining about that. So Lance, even though you were not here, I know you've been tracking everything closely, watching the practices. Who's been able to stand out for you uh, through two days of practice? Well, I think... Uh... Quinn Miners is the first guy oh right gosh. off the bat. And, I, and you know, I've I had heard a lot about him from some people in the O-line community. And I know Duke has been working with him, Duke Mannyweather up in Dallas. And Owen Reese, who does a lot of offensive line stuff, had said something to me. And, and I didn't I, – I've got tape of him from 2019, but my system changed a little bit, so I have to access it differently. It doesn't just show up. And so I've been meaning to get to it. And I said, you know what, I'll just wait. I'll just watch him in the Senior Bowl get a feel for him, and then I'll go back and watch 19 tape against lesser competition. But I want to start with the best competition first that he's going to face. Now, I, I do want to say I don't love the competition that the national side is facing defensively. I think the offensive line is better uh, than some of the guys who are on the defensive line. But with that said, Quinn Miners has been tremendous. Fast, flashing hands and pass pro where, you know, he's putting guys on notice with the way that he flashes his hands, which is a big deal because if you have a predictable punch, they start to time it up and, and defensive linemen, those hand fighters, will really whip you. But he doesn't look like the longest guy, but he does have 33-inch arms. I mean, it's not that's not bad at all for a center. It's actually above average oh, yeah. for a starting center. His strength, his core strength, his power, his hands, I just think in the way he's finished blocks – to me, he has been, of all the guys I've seen, you know, I'm really going to have to seriously, I think he's, I think he is, he's a, he's a top 50 player for sure. 
I would say, based on wow. what I've seen. Well, I don't know if I don't know if I want to say that just yet, but I will say this. I think he's been better than Creed Humphrey. Yes. And Creed was better this year than he was last year. I finished Creed. I gave him a 6-2, which means I believe that he will be an eventual starter. He could start early, but I think he'll be kind of a, an average NFL starter, which is fine. I think he'll play in the league a long time. This is a guy, though, that I'm seeing. I, I see a guy who can win blocks. Not just going to stalemate, not win some here and there. I think he can definitively win blocks against some strong guys, too. So I've just been really, really impressed with what I've seen so far. And let's remember, he didn't play football this year. He didn't play this level of competition. The step up, you tell me. I mean, you're watching it in person. I don't see any signs that this is too much for him. Spencer Brown, he hasn't played. Uh, That's the tackle from Northern Iowa. He hasn't played. It's a step up in competition. It looks like it. It looks like it with him out on the field. He looks like he hasn't, that he's rusty. He looks like the step up in in competition is a challenge for him. It doesn't look the same with Quinn Miners. It looks like he's been doing this for years. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because Landon Dickerson, if he doesn't go down with that ACL injury, uh, Quinn Miners isn't here. But that injury happens, that opens up a spot, and here we are. He's the big winner from this week. And talking to a scout last night, uh, based on the 2019 film, you know, he wasn't blown away. And I agree. I, his 2019 film, you'll have to let me know when you get to it, Lance. You know, I remember watching Ali uh, Marpet at Hobart and him just dominating. He flashed you know, big time. Yeah, yeah. You, you saw it, playing left tackle at Hobart. I mean, he's, he's, he was good, obviously, but I didn't necessarily see the same level. And so I came into this week thinking, okay, well, maybe he can secure himself in that sixth, seventh round conversation. He looks like a completely different player. It's funny, after the that first day, I, as soon as I left practice, I'm in the car and I'm I'm hitting up Duke and saying, what did you do? Because this guy looks completely different. And Duke told me that, you know, they, he, he had no idea really how to use his body. They really transformed his body and the way he can move around out there. And you see it. He plays so low. His feet are quick. His knees are bent. He stays in that ready position. He's patient, very smart player. And then he's got that nasty side to him so he can finish. And you see it in run blocking. You see it in pass protection. You see it one-on-ones. You see it in team drills. He is really acing this week. And, I, you know, you said top 50, which, I mean, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I, I'm. It's hard because based off of three years of film against D3 competition, he's got sixth and seventh round grades around the league. Three days here in Mobile, and how high of a bump do you give him I mean, I think he's now in the top 100 conversation, and it's mm-hmm. just kind of, okay, well, how much further can he go from here? Because he's been really impressive, and it just, it's just it's been a lot of fun to watch him ascend. I, there's a lot of Ryan Jensen to his game, who yeah. you know, the Ravens were able to find, and he signed a you know big free agent deal with the Bucks, and he's been a good NFL player. I see that type of player, and so it's been it's been really fun to watch this week. Okay, so Ali Marpet was a second round pick for Tampa. Now, like you said, he, I thought he, he shined on tape. He shined at the Senior Bowl. Quinn Miners didn't shine on tape, is what you're you're saying. I haven't seen it yet, but I totally, I totally trust. He was good, that that's you know. Yeah, but, but didn't yeah, dominate. Right, didn't dominate his level of competition. I can tell you, I was already starting to hear some buzz about him from Duke, but you know, I always take things, no offense to Duke or anybody, but when you have a trainer telling you something, you believe certain things, but some of it you want to see for yourself right. because they, they really 
want these guys to succeed. And it's not that they're blowing smoke. It's that they get, they see all the great stuff. Well, I saw a video that Duke sent me. I'm like, whoa, this guy looks really, you know, he's a compact body type and this, that, and the other. But this is a really important point to make for people um, who like to scout. You end up scouting a tape, but remember that the tape is supposed to tell you what they have the ability to do in the future. So what you're looking for on a guy like that from D3 how, what kind of ankle flexion does he have? What kind of bend does he have? Does he have bendy hips, knees? Can he get down? Do you see plays where he drops his pad level? Even if he plays tall, do you see where he will fire out low, like on a goal line situation where he gets under somebody? Because that tells you he has the ability to bend. Do you see things where you you see him snatch onto jerseys, even if his footwork isn't great? Because I'm making this point because I remember watching Tyreek Hill's tape and saying, wow, this guy's not a good route runner at all. Who cares? He became Mm -hmm. one, you know, coach is coach. And there are a lot of guys who get substantially better with all of their focus on being an NFL player with training table, with weight work and with uh, technique work and footwork on a full-time basis. Do they have the ability to get better? And that's a, and this is a classic case. It sounds like of, Here's a little bit of work with a guy who's an offensive line specialist, and it's already paying this kind of dividends for this player. That tells me that there's even more meat on the bone for an NFL team uh, to work with for Quinn Miners to get better. And it's not just Quinn. It's guys who have the ability to do something with more time, more experience, and more coaching. That's what you need to be looking for when you project players. Jason Owe is, for me, a projection galore. I don't care the Ed zero sacks this year. Right. I see what he's capable of doing if he can tighten up his game and, you know, and get better with his hands. And that's all coachable. And I don't know if you think, I just think offensive line is one of those positions where you either physically can do it uh, and you need some more coaching or you physically can't do it. And all the coaching in the world is just going to get you to maybe a functional backup. Yep. That makes a hundred percent sense. And I think one of the other aspects of being a scout is you have to be a private investigator you have to do your digging and figure out you know you know with jason oway okay he was a basketball player most of his life he didn't play football until his junior year of high school okay well that starts to make sense why he's underdeveloped at this point in his trajectory with a guy like quinn Miners, you do a little bit of digging you find out okay well after football season this guy would he would lose all bunch a whole bunch of weight and then right before uh, football season he'd put it back on again and it'd be sloppy and it'd be just you know whatever weight he could put on it wasn't that streamlined that core muscle that you're looking for and you know no offense to division three strength and conditioning program but obviously there's a big step up when you talk about what these trainers are doing and what he's going to see in the NFL. So now that he's going to be in an NFL strength and conditioning program, that's really going to help unlock all of these different traits that he has. And we're seeing that uh, manifesting itself on the field this week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but you can go from, you can also be a guy like uh, Kay Johnson from South Dakota state who didn't play this year. And you say, well, you know, he's playing against lesser comp. Well, he smoked lesser competition at, yep. at South Dakota State, and he's smoking good competition right now or quality competition, certainly, uh, at the Senior Bowl. And he's another guy that's really impressed me from a small school, just really good route runner. And when I was watching him, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I know they're different positions, but seeing a guy from a smaller school. Now, Austin Eckler had this phenomenal workout, so I had to go try to find tape on him because when you see guys who have workouts like that, those are the kind of 
you know, guys that splash and teams will take late round shots on them. So I found a couple games from, from him at Colorado school of mines or whatever, wherever it was, he went to school something like that. And, or Colorado state, no Colorado Western state. And I was like, wow, I see it. You know, I can see the explosiveness of that 41 inch vertical leap and, and, and it's four, four, four forty. Like you could see, the physical traits. Well, with Kay Johnson, I see all of it right there at the senior bowl. And we would have seen the same thing from Austin Eckler had he had a chance to go to a senior bowl. Well, mm-hmm. Kay Johnson is showing you, you know, I have that same kind of quiet confidence and everything you see, like it's not too big for him on the senior bowl field. And I've been really impressed with him. I've been really imp- impressed with Demetric Felton from UCLA. Dane, I, you know, I watched all the running back stuff that he did. And I know he came in as a, as a four-star wide receiver, but you know, they used him as a running back and he caught a lot of passes out of the backfield, but interestingly enough, didn't run a ton of different routes. Like it was fairly, it was fairly simple. I wanted to see how he would handle getting in and out of routes and what kind of hip sync he had. And I'm telling you right now, it, I, I've been blown away at the way Demetric Felton has handled the senior bowl reps at wide receiver. And I'm now thinking, and I wrote this up on my write-up, I still think an NFL team should consider using him as a running back and a wide receiver just so that defensive coordinators have more to prepare for with him on the field. Naheem Hines, you know, that's that's what that's the call. Great that's call, what, yeah. Yeah, you want to see a guy that can line up in the backfield, but you can also motion him out and, yeah, be the a guy that's going to stress the defense a little bit with what he can do. And, and, you know, he's the opposite Antonio Gibson, you know, going from running back to receiver this week and showing out. And I've been impressed with him catching the ball away from his body and the natural focus that he's been showing. So he's been he's been outstanding. And, you know, going back to Kay Johnson, it's funny that you mentioned Eckler being because both those guys were Nebraska kids who got overlooked by the mm. Cornhuskers. Interesting. I mean, Kate Johnson had to walk on at South Dakota State. Yeah, uh, It's not even like he was just an FCS guy. He had to walk on there. And so this is a self-made player who was really productive at the at the college level. And he does not look out of place here. Uh, I, I, you know, the speed, the play speed is great. I've been really impressed with his toughness. You know, if you're going to be a slot in the NFL, you need speed. But you also need to be tough because you're working the middle of the field. You're going to take some shots. He has that toughness to him. And I, I think I told you this before, but I, I get Dennis Northcutt vibes from him with uh, the way he can work the middle of the field. And uh, it's, an, it's an old school comp, but you know, Northcutt, uh, growing up in Cleveland, Northcutt's got a special. I think I stole that. I think after we talked about that, I threw it in my uh, comp because I thought it was my dad coached that Cleveland team with Northcutt yeah. there. And I felt like that was a great comp. Who are some other guys at wide? I'm curious about wide receiver cornerback. I didn't get to see as much of the one-on-ones there. Who are guys that, uh, that were favorable and maybe a little disappointing in both the wide receiver and cornerback categories. Yeah, the wide receivers have really, uh, you know, had the advantage, uh, you know, in one-on-ones. Um, you know, Kadarius Tony's so tough to cover. He's had a few drops. You know, he plays so fast that he will, uh, you know, have some focus issues at times, and that's shown. But good luck trying to cover him. Dwayne Eskridge, I wrote about him in my preview as being uh, the guy that maybe it could be this year's McLaurin or you know the guy that really rises because of how hard he is to cover, and he hasn't disappointed. Uh, he's been really good catching the football. Uh, I think he when I in my top 100 that I came out with last week or two weeks ago, he was I want to say like 76 or something like that, and you know he's a little older. He's a 20. He's going to be a 24 year old rookie. Um, you know he's a little undersized, but. 
he, he's such a, a premier talent that I think he's going to go somewhere in the, those top 75 picks. Um, Eskridge has not disappointed. Amari Rogers has been great. Uh, you know, what we expected uh, based off of what he put on film at Clemson, uh, the toughness that he plays with, the play strength has been outstanding. Catching the ball uh, well uh, above defensive backs and away from his body has been great. Josh Palmer from Tennessee, getting him out like of the. Him. Yeah, getting him away from Knoxville and that quarterback situation and the offensive turmoil they went through has really allowed him to shine this week. That vertical speed, uh, he's got good acceleration out of his breaks, and he's been catching the football well. So these receivers have really shown out and done a nice job. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let me ask you a couple specifically. One, Cornell Powell going from Trevor Lawrence to what he's got now. No offense to you know to anyone else, but everything's going to be a step down from Trevor Lawrence. How's Cornell Powell look? At the one year wonder from uh, I say wonder one year, really good player to me at Clemson. And then I'm also curious about Nico Collins, who's more of a long strider, a vertical guy. How has he handled not playing uh, 2000? And Daniel Jeremiah makes a big deal about it. he didn't play football for 407 days. Uh, before coming back out there, how those guys looked? Yeah, Powell. I mean, he's uh, he has looked smooth. You know, he he's not the most explosive guy out there, and you can tell that. But he's he's coordinated as an athlete, and so he's very skilled on those back shoulders. Has strong hands, uh, smooth body control. So you know, you see a you know a Muhammad Sanu type of you know pass catcher where he's not creating a ton of separation, but he's a very balanced athlete plus ball skills can make those in air adjustments. Uh, so I think he's had a solid week, not a great week, but a solid week. He, he's done a nice job for himself. And then Nico Collins, yeah, I think. He's been what we expected. He's not that he doesn't have that suddenness and it shows on underneath patterns where he's struggling to get open with ease. But when he's allowed to stretch out that stride and use that long speed, he can create separation down the field and he's been very good catching the ball. So he's got a a projectable body. You can tell he's been staying in shape and he looks good. But if you're looking for a receiver that can separate at will, especially on those quick hitting routes, that's just that's not Nico Collins's game, and we're the same thing with Sage Surratt, who I, I think you know he's he's not going to run well, but he has shown here, which I think he has shown a little bit on the Wake Forest film, just his understanding of how to get open uh, with some subtle body movements. He, he's got some savviness to him. Then he can also you know he's a big time basketball background. He can win above the rim with his ability to go up and, and get the football. So Sage Surratt's a very specific type of receiver and it's he's not going to be for everybody he's not going to be for every offense you have to be looking for his his style of receiver for him to go in you know the third round uh fourth round 
But for in the right fit, it, it could really end up being a, a good match. Got some kind of Jacoby Myers vibe to him in terms mm. of, uh, you know, not a separator, but he's got some physicality. I, I like the I like the football IQ and the instincts. I just the separation stuff really concerns me. I think he's more of a fifth round guy to me. Um, I thought that from the beginning, but I like it's just if you don't run well. It's, it is going to be a problem, and we'll see how that manifests itself with the pro days being what they are. And we'll see how many guys run this year. I really have a feeling we're going to start having more and more guys say, I don't, I'm just not working out. And if that's the case, uh, it's going to make it harder on these teams. With Nico Collins, you just just keep him on the move. Think uh, DK Metcalf. I mean, he's not DK Metcalf, but just think bigger guy. Keep him vertical. Keep him on over routes. Uh, you know, some some deep in in turning digs. Maybe not the tight dig, but more of a, a simple crossing route. Uh, that's what you're going to have to do here. Uh, corners. I have not heard much, and I haven't seen much when I've watched about a corner who is really. Um, killed it. Do you have one or two corners that that have been your favorite corners from what you've seen in one on ones or team or the team drills seven on seven? Either, even it's been a lot of up and down play, and I, it's tough for these corners when you're one on one with these receivers and you're just you're trying to just not sink. You're trying to keep your head above water, and so it can be tough. And so it's been a lot of up and down. You know, I think Minnesota's Benjamin St. Juiced he has flashed. I think he's helped himself. Uh, former Michigan uh, top recruit from Canada who had some injury stuff, had a falling out at Michigan, goes to Minnesota. He, he's going to test really well. And so I think there are some traits there uh, that you can work with. And that's shown. Trey Brown from Oklahoma. He's undersized. He's under 5'10". He he's physical as a yeah. dog. He, he is. He wants, that, he wants that football. And he's a guy that understands you know, what the receiver's trying to do with his routes. And so he stays on top uh, of patterns, uh, does a nice job with body position, nice job going for the football. So he's flash. I mean, he'll give up some plays, but he's done a nice job. Robert Rochelle, Central Arkansas, who mm-hmm. has given up plays as well. But you can tell the athleticism that he has. He can recover. He can, even when he falls steps, he can get back in position. So that athleticism that he has is just, it's its uh, its, it's going to get him drafted probably somewhere in the top 120 picks. Uh, and I think it's, you know, might come down to Rochelle or, or Miners to see who's the first uh, small school guy drafted this year. Interesting. How about let's uh, let's get to quarterbacks because you know usually it's funny quarterbacks usually headline the list at least one or two quarterbacks. Well, when we talk about senior role prospects this year, that's really not the case. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to get to them. Let's um, well let's start it off with well let's start it off with Mac Jones. I mean, this is the guy who's going to be the highest rated of any of these quarterback prospects. What have you thought of Mac Jones up to this point? I mean, you, you see the anticipation that he plays with. Um, you know, he, you can say, you can tell he processes things well. I'm really looking forward to seeing the quarterbacks today. You know, it's it, obviously there's going to be some a feeling out period when you're playing with uh, new teammates and new coaches and you're getting the cadence down. And so, you know, you want to see progression from these quarterbacks from day one to two to three. So very eager to see what we what we get from them today. But, you know, I, I think that you you can he, he doesn't have a strong arm and we knew that. But seeing him live, you can you can see it. Uh, you know, the ball just does not explode off his hand and he doesn't have that. He's got good arm strength, but he just doesn't have that zip that you wish he did. And so it's it's pretty, pretty clear uh, watching these guys live. You know, the one quarterback that I think 
Well, a couple of quarterbacks I think have um, you know done okay. Jamie Newman, you expected a little bit of a rust factor, but it really hasn't been there. He looks he looks really good, you know, just throwing the football. Now it, it hasn't all been on on time. It hasn't all been uh, perfectly accurate, but he looks good just moving out there. His stroke, uh, the ball coming off his hand looks good. So I think Newman, uh, you know, a lot's going to come down to the behind the scenes, the interviews. Jim Nagy and his staff, give him credit. They've done a nice job with. Uh, Setting up the you know a lot of plexiglass and behind the scenes they've got this whole interview stage set up so teams can run through these guys. Uh, but for Jamie Newman it's going to be okay. Well, you 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 left your teammates at Wake Forest and then you go to Georgia. Okay, you wanted a, you know a big stage. Well, you got it and then you then you decided to leave there and they're going to press him on those things and you know the interviews are going to be really important. Uh, you know, no question he's been practicing his answers for those questions, but better be what teams want to hear or, uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be tough for him. So and I tell you what, Ian Book, the more I watch him, the more he grows on me. He's got instincts. I really like his foot quickness. He's got a very fluid delivery in this quarterback class where it's you've got the top four guys and then maybe Mac Jones you throw in there. Uh, you know, Kyle Trask is, you know, I think he's a backup. But then after that. I really like Davis Mills from Stanford as a developmental guy, but then it's slim pickings. And, you know, we're, we're probably going to, we usually see, you know, eight, nine, 10 quarterbacks drafted. Who Who's going to be the quarterback from this group? Is it Jamie Newman? Is it Ian Book? It's going to be interesting to see the takeaways that teams have when they leave Mobile about these quarterbacks. It's interesting because you haven't, you didn't mention Felipe Franks or Kellen Mond. And I would say Franks has a good arm. Um, he's got an interesting background in terms of, you know, I think he's got some talent. And Kellen Mond, mm-hmm. to me, I think what you see is what you get, but he does have a fairly live arm, throws a really tight spiral, has some dual threat capabilities. But I noticed that you didn't mention either, either one of those guys just now. Yeah, Mond's hard to, for me, it's hard just to get there because, you know, I see the same quarterback that I saw as a sophomore, I saw as a senior. Um, you know, it's just, it's it's very inconsistent. He'll make some beautiful plays. But, you know, if you watch the highlights, you got to watch the lowlights. And it's just you're getting you don't know which one you're going to get on any given play with him. And um, I I will say Franks has, I think, been solid. He's he's a well-built kid, got a power arm. I was impressed uh, just on his tape uh, how good he was at throwing the deep ball. He's got a really good feel for that the deep ball throws, and so there, there's something there with Franks. I you know I, with the uh, ascension that he he had this year, that'll give teams the the thought that okay he's on the upswing. He's he has yet to play his best football. Wait till we you know we get our hands on him, and uh, so he he's an interesting player that I think uh, some teams will really like. Let me transition this for a second. So we've got. This is a quarterback draft to me. It's Trevor Lawrence and then everybody else. And yeah. for me personally, I see the highs, but I also see the lows. You talk about seeing the highlights. Well, that's like watching 2020. Then you got to watch the lowlights. That's 2019. Zach Wilson has some some issues, and that's what I'm talking about here. Zach Wilson has some issues, 2020 to 2019 comparisons, that you're going to have to be okay with. He's got very average size. He's got a lively arm, a lot of talent, uh, made some made some choices that are going to come back to haunt him in the pros this year because he was just so much, his guys were just so much bigger and better, I think, down the field in one-on-one situations. Justin Fields, I watched the tape on it. I, you know, I thought he was, I thought he was solid. I think there are definitely some flashes that you like. I just don't come away thinking that he is going to be a star quarterback. Um, Mac Jones, I don't like him in the first round. I think the, I like a lot of the, the, the mental stuff and, I like a lot of the um, 
accuracy and things like that. I don't know that he has the arm talent that I would want to put in the first round. You mentioned Trask. I'm with you. I think he's a six one, which would be uh, a good potential backup to low level starter. And then um, I'm missing. Uh, oh, Trevor. Now, now Trevor, I'm sorry. Um, Trey, Trey Lance. Lance. Yeah. Trey Lance to me is the most intriguing of all quarterbacks, not named Trevor Lawrence, but he's only played one season. It was at North Dakota state. He played one game this year and it wasn't very good. I like everything about him, size, arm talent, athleticism, his intelligence is off the charts. The one concern you have is he leaves a lot of big plays on the field. He has them there and he just can't pull the trigger. And I don't think it's about not seeing it. I think he's got a personality trait that is going to be a little bit more conservative and he's not going to have that gunslinger mentality. And I think that can be a little bit tougher to try to get that. You know, when you have it like Pat Mahomes or like Jameis Winston, it can work for you. It can work against you. But you 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 have to bet big to win big. And I don't know that that Trey Lance is a bet is a is a bet big to win big guy from a personality trait standpoint. With that said, he's the one that I am most intrigued by of the next group of quarterbacks. But if that's my assessment of the quarterback position, and then the other guys are just guys, then you know you look at what's out there on the market. And Deshaun Watson just said he he's requesting a trade, and Matt Stafford is going to be traded. And you have Sam Darnold, who could be, you know, on the trade block soon if the Jets hang on to that pick and they end up drafting a quarterback. And, you know, and the list goes on and on. I don't know about Carson Wentz. I don't think any kind of trade is imminent there. I think Jared Goff, it's sounding more and more like Jared Goff could be on the market. Matt Ryan, who knows if they want to hang on to Matt Ryan. So I think it's an interesting juxtaposition in terms of the teams who need quarterbacks suddenly, like New England and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, obviously the New Orleans Saints, potentially, you got those teams, you got the bad teams who need quarterbacks, and then you got teams uh, that have quarterbacks that may be willing to trade those. I think it's going to make for a very interesting quarterback offseason, not just oh, with the crazy. draft. It's going to be insane. It will be the most yeah. crazy thing we've ever seen from Absolutely. quarterback uh, uh, musical chairs. Yeah, that's exactly. I, I, uh, Does it hurt this. the draft though? Does it hurt the draftable quarterbacks? I don't think it'll hurt because there, there's only so many quarterbacks right now. There's going to be teams without the chairs, you know, the when the music goes off because it's uh, okay. Let me okay. You're you're clued in on Houston being right there, boots on the ground. You you have a good feel for what's going on there. What percent chance do you think Deshaun Watson will be traded? I think right now it's a 45 to 50% chance. Okay. And here's the reason they cannot, even if they wanted to trade Deshaun Watson, a Deshaun has a list of teams. So immediately your, your shopping list is shorter. B the Texans have made so many bad moves under Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby that now you've lost draft capital. You've lost core football players that you've given away for nothing. And Nick Casario has one of the most, probably the most potentially valuable commodity on the open market. He he does have that. So you cannot make another bad trade and not get value because you already know Deshaun Watson's going to be a good player wherever What's he goes. What's value, though? That's like, what I'm you, saying. I, what, I, what, four first-round picks? I don't know. See, but I don't think that's the problem here. You, it starts with three first-round picks, and frankly, five first-round picks might not be enough because right. – because, and this is what people need to realize – when I say, okay, you could get, hey, guess what? 
the Jets are willing to give you the second pick of the draft and number what's their what's their second pick in the first round? It's like what 25? Yeah, or? the second pick and number 25 and a first rounder next year. And and Sam Darnold. The Texans have to take that. There's three number ones. Well, let's turn those picks into number one picks. So, Dane, who do you have? So it turns into Zach Wilson. Um, yeah. You did a mock draft. Who did you give them with your second pick? 23 overall. I gave um, Ojulari, the pass rusher from Georgia. Okay, and that's a Texans need. Aziz Ojulari. And then next year, the Jets, let's say Deshaun Watson helps them and they finish with the eighth pick of the draft. So they'll have an eighth pick of the draft. And let's say it's a cornerback next year. Well, now these picks have names on them. Is Deshaun Watson worth more than Aziz Ojolari, Zach Wilson, and a, and, a, and a CB1 or CB2? I would say absolutely. Yeah. And I like Ojolari, but he's still an upside player that that needs to pro- that you have to project a little bit. I like Wilson's potential, but I think there is a downside too that you have to acknowledge. And in, in comparison with uh, uh, Deshaun Watson, I mean he's going to fall well short. When you start putting names on these, you know, nebulous. Oh, it's a first, it's a second or third pick of the draft. Look how valuable that is. It's not valuable when you tell you tell me the name of that player. Well, and the other factor. Is the jet or the Jets on Deshaun's list? You know, like it, when you think about this list, where Deshaun Watson's going to want to go, you're more than likely talking about teams that are in a position to win. It's a win so now t- list, right? I, I know a little bit about it. Yeah, it's a win so now the, list. so these teams are going to be picking in the later portion of the first round. You're talking about, you know, like they're not going to trade them to Indianapolis. I don't think not inside the division, but you know, Washington. Uh, you know, I don't. I, I, you know, I don't think. Pittsburgh or I don't uh you know the Saints I don't I mean these teams are ready to win right now but are the Jets are they in a position where Sean Watson's going to be on board going to uh, a team like that where they they need a lot of help is it is he going to see a lot of the same how does he feel about the ownership uh with the Jets I mean there's so many it's it's hard to find that exact fit for Deshaun Watson it really makes things interesting and then you look at some teams that'll say, okay, well, you know, the asking price is going to be so big. Let's, let's take a cheaper deal. Let's just take, you know, and go after Matthew Stafford or, you know, let's, uh, you know, let's go after one of these quarterbacks in the draft and hold on to our first round picks for the next three years. It's, it's, it's such a fascinating, we've never seen anything like this where a quarterback of this talent of this stature is on the trade, well, you know, uh, theoretically on the trade market like this, it, it really makes it for a fascinating offseason that is, you're right, you can't trade him unless you get some semblance of equal value. And even that's, you know, saying equals in quotation marks. It's, it's hard to do for a proven top five, maybe a top three quarterback in the league. So it's really going to shake things up this offseason with the quarterbacks, and that's going to have a direct reflection on the draft. And so it's it's a very strong quarterback-heavy draft in the first round with four, maybe five going there. And we, we there's a lot of teams that could use a quarterback. So uh, teams are going to be aggressive, and it's going to be really fascinating to see what's left when the dust settles and all these uh, all these quarterbacks get snatched up. God, this is it's almost a second show. Like it really <laughs> yeah. is. It's almost a second it, show to go through. You know, to there's go so through. many different, yeah, so many different ways this could go, and I, I mean, the fact that they make a head coaching hire, and Deshaun Watson still says, "I, I don't care, it doesn't matter," you know, I still want out, and you know, you think it's you know right around fifty fifty 
that it happens. Well, which is- here's why, because I don't let me just tell you why. Do I think Deshaun wants out for sure? Yes. He requested mm-hmm. a trade. It's real. Are there teams on his list? Yeah. Do I think he'd be happy in San Francisco? Absolutely. Miami, absolutely. Miami's run by a bunch of guys who came from New England. Do you really think the Patriot way is giving away a ton of first round picks? It's right. not. That's not the way they do business. And it's not the way they're going to do business. And they probably don't want to give you the pick that you gave them, even though it would be an ironic twist for Laramie Tunsil. Here's the thing. Nick Casario cannot do another bad deal that was done by the previous regime. He cannot. Mm. He must get fair value because whoever he trades Watson to is probably going to have a quarterback who plays exceptionally well for him. So you've got to get a deal back that builds your team up. And like you said, I mean, realistically, a Deshaun Watson could be worth seven first round picks when you really, you know, thinking that you may miss on three of them and hit on four of them because you know who Deshaun Watson is, right? We don't know who any of those picks are going to be in terms of as players, even if you put names on them, but you know what you get with Deshaun Watson. So the, you, it's almost impossible to put a value on that. And I would say the Texans would be smart to get young core talent back in return along with draft picks. Yep, man. You know, it's I kind of feel for Nick Casario because he was so patient with, okay, you know, I'm going to wait for the right opportunity to finally be a GM. I mean, he's been a hot commodity for a while. Finally, you know, takes that plunge. He's the GM, and now he's faced with uh, a disgruntled quarterback that he just – he's got to figure out a way to uh, figure it out. I mean, it, can you really be the general manager that traded – Deshaun Watson, I mean, can you climb yourself out from that from that hole? That's that's tough to do, and so it, it's really going to be fascinating to watch how this plays out. We'll uh, this topic's not going to go away anytime soon, so I'm sure we'll uh, we'll touch on it here in the coming weeks and how that's going to affect uh, the draft. Because if if a trade does happen, obviously draft capital will be the main ammunition getting that trade done and so it'll be really interesting to talk about all the 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 effects uh, of a trade like that but i'm i'm gonna get on my way to practice here day three uh here in mobile we'll be back next week to uh discuss uh kind of senior bowl wrap up what we saw and everything else so plenty that we'll uh dive into next week so for lance zerline I'm Dane Brugler. Please rate, follow. We appreciate that. Uh, And we'll talk to you next week.